Hey, good morning, church. Good day to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Good, good day to be uh, together. Welcome those who join us online as well. Welcome those who are here maybe for the first time. Hope you feel at home. Uh, this morning we're, we're going to look at four biblical reasons why it matters that we express our gratitude to God on a daily basis. And uh, we're going to look at some spiritual benefits that go with that. But before we look at the spiritual benefits, I'd like to draw your attention uh, quickly to just some physical and emotional benefits of gratitude. Uh, psychologists have identified five that will greatly benefit your life. Number one, gratitude eliminates toxic emotions. Did you know that? Just an attitude of gratitude of getting things. Um, gratitude eliminates toxic emotions. It, it reduces pain. It improves your sleep quality when you have a grateful heart. Uh, gratitude aids in stress regulation. And number five, gratitude reduces anxiety and depression. So does that sound like a miracle drug? Well, it is. And guess what? There's nobody going to be reading 50 side effects at the end of the commercial like an auctioneer, you know. It truly has no uh, negative side effects. And a daily dose of gratitude will cure whatever ails you. Well, I have a passage of scripture I'd like to read to you. And it's a short one, but I think we tend to skip over it sometimes when we read it because it is short. And but uh, Luke chapter 17, if you want to pull out your, your uh, smartphone, you can follow along with our notes on our Brandywine app. Uh, also, we'll have some scripture up there on the screens for you if, you, if you'd like. Uh, beginning with verse 11, chapter 17 of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, it says, as Jesus entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And they went and they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And the author intentionally adds that. Samaritans were a mixed breed. They were despised in that day. They, uh, they would cause a good Jew to walk an extra 50 miles uh, out of their way around that territory uh, just so they wouldn't have to cross paths with them. And so Jesus asked three questions. Uh, question one, the facts, Jesus asked, well, didn't I heal 10 men? <laughs> the second question is one of amazement. So where are the other nine? And then the third question, his commentary, has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And then Jesus said to the man, stand up and go or your faith has healed you. Now, it's a quick little story, just seven verses, and it'd be easy to kind of look over them and, and, and think, yep, 
I ought to be a more grateful person. Uh, I don't know what those other nine were thinking, you know? But if you take a deeper look with me this morning, there's much more to this passage than on maybe the surface. So let's start with the, the background. A leper in that day was despised, an alienated person, a social outcast, if you will. The disease would actually cause their face to be disfigured at times. It would cause them to lose their, their fingers, their, their hands at times. And as a custom, they, they'd have to wear a little bell that was tied around their waist just so that when a leper got near you, uh, you got warning. They often lived in caves together. They were social outcasts, totally separate, set apart, even from their own families. And these 10 lepers had heard about Jesus. They'd heard about the miracles that he'd been performing and, and they have this need and they wanna get close to him somehow. So how do they do that? So these men, these 10 men, they see Jesus coming toward them and they yell out, Jesus! Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus, out of compassion, gives these instructions. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, that act of faith, the Bible says, healed them. As they did what Jesus asked them to do, it healed them. And I, I, I can just imagine, can't you, as they're walking along, one of them going, Joe, look, I've got a hand again, you know? And his friend looking back at him saying, dude, you not only have a hand, you got a face back too, you know? And so just imagine how excited they must have been. I mean, they'd be like, man, I can't believe it. I get to go home, you know? I get to go see my family. I can be close to people now. I get to go, I get to go out and eat at a good Jewish restaurant again. You know, I get to throw this stupid bell away that's been tied to my waist. Uh, I'm a whole person. I'm changed. I've been given a whole new life. And then the text says, only one came back to Jesus to say thank you. I want to suggest that all 10 felt thankful they felt thankful. How could you not? But here lies a spiritual challenge for all of us. You know, even still in our day, we think that feeling thankful is the same as giving thanks. But the truth is that the world's apart. It takes energy, it takes intentionality to actually go to someone, the giver, and to express and give thanks. It's interesting how all of us, most of the time we realize when we lie, we realize when we cheat or steal or we're, we're unfaithful, but, but yet nobody ever thinks, oh man, I'm, I'm just ungrateful, you know? Why? Well, well, for one reason, thankfulness is not just a feeling, all right? It needs to be said, verbalized. Thankfulness is an act, an action, where you actually go back to the giver and you verbally acknowledge and express the gratitude. You know, gratitude always involves humility. 
when, when I'm grateful, I'm, I'm joyfully in debt. You know, I, I recognize that I've received something to which I, I was not entitled. You know, entitlement is, is one of those things that actually kills uh, gratitude. It's the reason sometimes even though we have more, like in our nation, than everybody else, often we're still less grateful than anybody else. You see, when I get it the first time, I, I'm grateful. I, at least I feel it. And then I get it the second time, and I, I kind of take it for granted. And I get it the third time, and I kind of feel like I'm entitled to it. And, and if I don't get it, I get mad because I feel like my rights have been violated. Isn't that true? But the point Jesus is making here is that credit, the, the honor, and the glory needs to be verbally communicated and expressed to the giver. God is so good. I mean, wouldn't you agree that he's done a lot so much for you in your life? Did anyone here today worry about what you were going to eat this week? Probably not. Most of us drove our own vehicle to worship today. Many of us have our own home. And although some of us have certain physical problems, most of us would have to say, you know, I'm relatively healthy. And most of you have people in your life who really love you. And you live in the most prosperous nation in the world, right? And if you're a Christ follower, it goes to a whole new level, right? I mean, your sins have been completely forgiven. You know, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You've been given a whole new life. And here's the challenge, though. I don't know about you, but as I read this passage initially, I read it through my culturally American New Testament eyes, you know. As I read the story here, I said to myself, yep, I don't know what the other nine were thinking, you know. They should have come back and expressed their gratitude to Jesus. That's the least they could have done, right? Not doing so, I mean, because we grew up in America and we're taught this, you know, it's, it's just inconsiderate not to, you know? It's impolite, right? It's not very nice. It's socially inappropriate not to say thank you. I mean, growing up, this is something that we're all taught as young children, you know? You're six years old and your Uncle George gives you a piece of candy and what does mom or dad say? Well, Mark, you know, what do you say to Uncle George? Thank you, Uncle George, you know? And then they pat you on the head, right? And you get a little older and grandma sends you a gift. Mark, be sure to call your grandparents and tell them thank you. And then you get married and what do you do as soon as you get back from your honeymoon? You send out all the thank you cards, right? Why? Because it would be socially inappropriate not to give thanks. That's not the point here. The point here, the nine men here in this story who did not return to give thanks were not just being impolite, inconsiderate, socially uh, inappropriate. Simply being inconsiderate and impolite is not the message Jesus is trying to send here, okay? It's much more than that. 
I mean, this greatly disturbed Jesus. He was shocked. He was grieved. Why? Because according to Jesus, when we fail to come back to the giver and express thanks, it's robbing God of his glory. To Jesus, accepting a gift but neglecting the giver is robbery. It's spiritually scandalous. It's serious business. And I know some of you are thinking, okay, you're just talking like a preacher. You know, pretty strong words there, you know. I mean, you mean to tell me that anytime we neglect expressing gratitude to God, we're actually robbing him of his glory? Aren't you exaggerating a little bit, Mark? And my answer to that is, no, not, I'm actually not exaggerating at all. After studying the New Testament, God takes the giving of thanks very, very seriously. And so with the remainder of our time together, I want to give you a, sort of a New Testament survey of, uh, of four different passages to, to prove my point here. Uh, as we go through these passages, I want you to, is kind of take note of just how serious this expressing of our thanks to God is. And to take note that, uh, of, of where the practice of giving thanks is where it's strategically placed in Scripture, where we're to give thanks. It's like, why do you put it there? Well, there's a reason, okay? Reason number one, the first example is found in Romans 1. Look at that with me. It says, for, for ever since the world was created, Apostle Paul said, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God, God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they, they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like and as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Now notice, it says their minds became dark and confused when they refused to honor him as creator. And when they did not give him thanks. They enjoyed the gifts in life, but they didn't give him thanks. And notice that the lack of expressing gratitude, the lack of thanking God, the refusal of rec recognizing God as a creator is paired with this concept, this whole concept of rejecting of who he is. That's serious, right? Huh? I mean, haven't you ever laid out, sighed on the grounds, you know, sometime on a clear summer night and looked up at the stars? You know, growing up, we used to lay on the hood of our cars. You can't do that anymore on your thin metal modern car. You total it, you know. But haven't you ever looked up the big clear sky at night and just said to yourself, man, there's got to be someone out there that's bigger than us, you know, greater than me, who put all this together. And that's what Paul's point. He says, we're without excuse. So when we refuse to recognize God as our creator, we're actually rejecting who he is. Giving thanks 
honors God as creator. And so there in your notes, giving thanks acknowledges that all that you are and all that you have comes from God. Just acknowledging, giving thanks, acknowledging that all that you are and all that you have comes from God. Number two, the second reason why saying thank you to God matters, it's found in Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 1. The Apostle Paul's talking to brand new Christians here, explaining how, you know what, we need to put off that old life now because God's, God's giving you a new life. A new, and so you need to walk in this new way of life now. And so he's explaining this, and he, and he says some, stay away from these negative things. He says, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. <laughs> it's like, what, what did he put that there for? Paul says, now that you've been redeemed, you're to avoid these six heavy-duty negative sins, okay? And you're to do this one positive thing. Now, if I wrote the New Testament, I'd have screwed it all up for sure because... You know, if I was Paul, I'd say, okay, we got six negative things to avoid here. Now let's give six positive, all right, things to do. But he doesn't do that. He just gives one. And notice how the giving of thanks is paired against the walking in the flesh and all kinds of evil acts of sin. Immorality is tied to the lack of a thankful heart. That's serious. And do you know why? because it's pretty hard to commit immoral acts of any kind if you're regularly giving thanks for who and what God has given you in life. Isn't that true? I mean, it's kind of hard to want to cheat on your wife or lust after another woman when you're saying, God, thank you for the wonderful wife you've given me. You know, God, thank you for bringing her into my life. What a gift. When that's the attitude of your heart, you know, you don't end up in bed with somebody else and, and you don't end up surfing the internet trying to find some images to satisfy the lack of intimacy in your own heart. And yet the moment you stop giving thanks for what you do have, you focus automatically, automatically goes to what you don't have. Isn't that true? And what you think will satisfy. So. In your next outline there, giving thanks forces us to focus on what we have instead of what we don't have, on what we have rather than what we don't have. The giving of thanks is not only paired with the rejection of God, but it's also paired with a life of holy living, a holy life. Reason number three, Ephesians 5 is a passage Beginning with verse 17, Paul says, don't get drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. But instead, do what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, there is evidence when this is occurring. He says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and, and doing what? And giving 
thanks. When? Only when things are going good in my life. No, he didn't say that. Giving thanks for everything to God. Giving thanks reveals in every circumstance the extent to which the Holy Spirit is in control of my life. So if you're filling in that next blank, let me me say it again. Giving thanks reveals in every circumstance. We'll go to the next slide there. There. Giving thanks reveals in every circumstance the extent to which the Holy Spirit is in control of my life. Paul's saying, you want to know the real evidence of whether the Spirit of God is, is reigning in your heart and life? Well, if he's truly Lord, if he's, he's truly in, first in the throne of your heart, and, and he's, if he's truly calling the shots, then out of the overflow of my heart will be thanksgiving. That's what he's saying. And the lack of thanksgiving in my heart will always let me know that he's not Lord of my life, at least in that, that moment. Uh, reason number four, number four, is found in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You really want to know what God's will is for you in your life? Well, well, part of God's will is that you would give thanks in all circumstances. And, And the key, I know it's like, yeah, really. The key to this verse is the little word in. I'm grateful that it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances, aren't you? It says give thanks in all circumstances. The difference between the word in and the word for is a difference between maturity and masochism. I mean, God doesn't expect you to be grateful for everything that horrible that's happened in this world because there's a lot of bad. In this world, there is a lot of evil and there's a lot of sin in the world. God would never ask you to be grateful for sin and the suffering that it causes, you know? I'm not grateful when somebody gets cancer. I'm not grateful when people get mistreated because of the color of their skin. I'm not grateful, you know, when, when a child gets abused. There are some things that ought to get you mad, right? Anger is often evidence of love. If somebody hurts my kids, I get angry, right? That's evidence of love. Uh, God gets angry when he sees evil in the world. So, but the Bible never says be thankful for everything. It never says that. That would make God a tyrant rather than who he is, a loving God. What the Bible does say, what does it say? Give thanks in every circumstance. Paul's speaking here of what I would call a master level gratitude, all right? Uh, There's a beginner's level gratitude. What's the beginner's level? Well, the beginner's level is when you're lying on the beach in Kauai and you're grateful. That's pretty easy, right? It's easy to be grateful when, you know, you got a high paying dream job and everything's going your way, you know, that's easy. Master level gratitude is being grateful even when things are not going well in your life. Even when the doctor says, you know what, your spouse has cancer. 
in every circumstance, give thanks. Not, not for every circumstance, not for the cancer, in every circumstance. Because no matter what's going on in our lives, isn't this true? We still can focus our minds on something to be thankful for. There is something that we always have to be thankful for. That's master level gratitude. Um, that no matter how bad things are in your life, you can always find some good things or some blessings to be grateful for. So if you're filling in your outline there, giving thanks requires us to live by faith in every and all circumstances. It requires us to live by faith when we give thanks. One of, the, one of the keys to flourishing spiritually is to be able to see God's goodness in the midst of every circumstance. You know, it's through the hard times. That's the times when we grow in our faith, right? It's through the difficult seasons in life. That's when we're forced to decide whether or not we trust in, in, in a, a sovereign God and who he is. I may not understand why certain things are going on and why they're happening, but I still trust that God is in control. I still trust uh, that he knows what he's doing, that he's still on his throne. This morning, you as a child of, of the Lord, you may be saying, my marriage may not be what I want it to be, or my finances may not be where I want them to be, or my, my children's walk with the Lord may not be where I want them to be. But in faith, I trust that God is at work. In faith, I trust that he's in control and that he is faithful. No matter what I'm going through, how dark it gets, I know that he's gonna give me the grace to endure. I know that he's going to deliver me through this. Because here's the deal, God's primary role in my life it's not just to make me happy, all right? Are you with me? It's not just to make me a successful American. His primary objective is to cultivate intimacy between me and the Heavenly Father. His primary objective is to take my character and to make me more like Jesus, his son. That's, that's just the truth in love. He cares more about your character than your comfort. This morning, I don't know what kind of difficult thing you're going through right now. Maybe you experienced a great loss. Maybe you recently were abandoned. You know, maybe a, maybe a husband or a wife or a close friend just walked away. Or maybe you're going through some stuff right now and you're wondering, man, is he, is he even with me? And if that's you, here's his promise to you this morning. Isaiah 43 says, when you go through deep waters, he says, God says, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up and the flames will not consume you for I am the Lord your God. Do not be afraid for I am with you. <laughs> Don't you love the word of God? That's his promise to his children. 
you make him Lord of your life, you can bank on that. One of the best ways for you and I to be thankful during difficult times is to recognize God's promise that he'll never leave us and to actually pray a prayer thanking God for his faithfulness. So you see the presence or the practice of, of giving thanks to God according to Jesus and according to the New Testament, it's serious business. Why? Because first it acknowledges that all that we are and all that we have comes from him. When I say thank you, it honors God as creator. Secondly, it keeps us from evil because it forces us to focus on what we do have instead of what we don't have. When I say thank you, it honors God as my provider. And then thirdly, it reveals in every circumstance the extent of which the Spirit is in control of my life. Is he really Lord? It honors him as Lord and master of my life. And fourthly, it requires us to live by faith in every and all circumstances. So in summary this morning, according to Jesus, thankfulness is the barometer of the soul. Thankfulness is the barometer of the soul. This morning, if you really want to gauge where you're at spiritually in your walk with God, simply ask yourself this question. Ask yourself, how thankful am I right now in my situation? How thankful am I right now? It was Francis Schaeffer who said, quote, a quiet disposition and a heart giving thanks at any giving moment is the real test to the extent to which I love God in that moment. <laughs> you see, the practice of gratitude matters. It matters to God. Let's pray together. Would you bow your head with me? Father God, thank you for your word that transforms us as we apply its truth in our lives. And God, I pray today, as we take this in, that we would not just be motivated in the moment, but that the practice of gratitude would be a way of life for us. That I would find myself being grateful in all circumstances, not for all, but in all circumstances. And that I would not just feel it, but I'd actually go back to the giver and express my thankfulness with my lips on a daily basis. God help me to be more grateful, a more grateful follower of Jesus Christ. Give me eyes to see your goodness and your sovereignty and to trust you. That even as I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I would fear no evil. Even as I walk through the seasons that are very hard and difficult, God, help me to see that there's always something that I could be grateful for. You know, some of you here this morning, you may be saying, you know, I really don't see God working in any area of my life. And you know what? That may be because you don't have God in your life. You don't have a relationship with God. But you can. He loves you. Let me, 
Let me tell you how much he loves you. Jesus gave his life for you. Put your name there. He gave his life for you on the cross. And God raised Jesus from the dead so that you or anyone else who calls on the name of Jesus would be saved, would be forgiven, would be made brand new. For those of you today who would want to say yes to Jesus, say, Mark, I want a right relationship with God. I want to be forgiven of my sins. If that's your prayer, just say this in your mind and heart. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life today. Forgive me of all my sins. Change me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me new. My life is not mine. I give it to you. Change, cleanse me. Cleanse my heart. Direct my steps. I surrender my life to you completely. God, use me to show your love to others. And God, let them see a heart of gratitude when they're around me. Help me to live that out. And God, thank you. To you be the glory for the great things that you have done. Thank you, God, that I serve a risen Lord. And thank you, God, that I have a family that I'm going to be in heaven all eternity. Thank you for this family, this church family you've given me. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.